Hey friend, Heather Creekmore here. I'm so glad you're listening to the Compared to Who show today. Today, we're going to dig in to five big things I've learned about my body image and food struggles this year. I am constantly learning new things, especially as I've spent the last, I would say, six months working on two new books. Oh, y'all, I've been digging in to some things that I didn't know before. And as I've mentioned, I'm on a journey too, right? I don't have all of it figured out. In fact, I look back at Compared to Who, a book I wrote um, seven, eight years ago now. I'm like, really? Yeah, eight or nine years ago now. And I think about how much I have changed, how my eyes have been open to things I didn't even know I should see. God has really continued to do a work in my heart, even since giving me that message and walking me through that journey out of my body image issues. I really thought like I kind of arrived somewhere. <laughs> but oh, friends, that whole arrival concept, that's just from diet culture. We, we don't arrive here on earth. We are constantly on a journey, learning and growing and sometimes suffering and because coming sanctified, right? That That's really what it's all about. So today I want to share with you five things I've learned. I can't wait to get into this. But before I do, I want to remind you of a couple of things. First, there is a Christmas reading plan on the YouVersion app, the Bible app, YouVersion Bible app. You can get the app if you don't have it already. Oh, friend, you need it. But I have a Christmas plan on there called a comparison-free Christmas. It's pretty short scripture packed readings. And even if you did it last year, hey, go grab it, do it again. Because friends, we get tempted at Christmas time to compare ourselves to others, don't we? Oh, in so many ways I do, I know. So go grab that plan again if you've already done it or grab it for the first time and spend December going through it um, just to give you a firm foundation of scripture and encouragement so you can have a comparison-free Christmas. Also, I want to mention that there are group coaching spots available. My next group coaching session will start January 23rd. So consider grabbing one of those spots over the next couple of weeks. Um, it's hard to tell whether or not they will fill up before the new year, but if you, you don't have to pay <laughs> until the session starts. So if you think you want a spot, go ahead and grab one. You can go to compare to who.me, go to the coaching tab and go to group coaching and you can find the link to sign up for that. Also, I'm still doing individual coaching. I've got some spots available for December and several spots available for January. So if you want one of those individual coaching spots, I do limit the number of clients I take, especially as I'm headed into group coaching. So grab one of those spots. If you feel like it is time for you to do some serious business <laughs> to break free, let me just tell you straight up, I don't require you to commit to 20 sessions with me, not even 10. I tell most women that we'll be good after four to six. So pray about whether or not this is your time. Is December the month you get free? Maybe December is way too crazy for you. But grab a spot for January so you will be committed. I mean, most of us are start thinking about, or at least my old, the old me would have started thinking about what diet I was going to commit to in January. And I did that every single year. So there is some insanity in repeating that cycle every year. This year, if that's been you, break the cycle. Do something different. Grab a couple of sessions with me. 
and let's work on changing you from the inside out, heart change that will last forever, not body change that will fade by February. So consider that. Again, you can find out all the information for that on my website, compared to who.me. Okay, let's get to today's show. I can't wait to share these things with you. Let's go. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Okay, so here we go. Five things I have learned this year. Now, it was hard to narrow it down just to five. (laughs) Um, I did, this is episode 96 I think for the year. So 96 episodes just this year, my friends, that's a lot of content. I hope you've gotten through most of them. But if you haven't, I will tell you now I'm taking December off. I felt like God has been calling me to take a break. I couldn't take a break over the summer because I was writing two books. And I feel like God's saying just pause. And so that's what I'm going to do in December. But I'm going to leave you at the end of the show today with several episodes you can listen to in December if you feel like you kind of need to gear up for the next year because I know how it goes, friends. Those diet ads start coming fast and fierce December 26th and the pressure all around you to go back to thinking about your life as just your body and your body goals and feeling the frustration of maybe putting on weight over the holidays and what can I do to change myself right away and, you know, all of the crazy things. And I use the word crazy lightly. (laughs) I use the word crazy because that's what I feel like is going on in my head. But all those things that bombard us as the new year comes. I don't want to leave you hanging in the season. So again, stay tuned for the end of the show. And I'm going to share with you some episodes that you can listen to. So you are encouraged right after Christmas. And then I'll be back with you in January. And we're going to do a pray through the month of January series. I That's all I can tell you right now. But let me just encourage you, like, plan on listening to the show January 1st, because we're going to do a series the whole month where we're going to get serious about praying for our body image, praying for health, renewing our minds around these issues. So I can't wait to walk through that series with you. Okay. Number one thing that I've learned this year as hard, um, you know, I don't know. These are in no particular order. Okay. But As I've talked to clients this year, I have learned myself and helped many clients walk through this concept that my opinion of me is not greater in importance than God's opinion of me, or if you're married, your husband's opinion of you. Now, let me flesh this out a little bit. 
I think as I talk to people, we kind of, we walk through a like, well, why do you want to look different? Like, why do you need to lose that weight? Why do you need to, you know, fit this image? Why is this so important to you? And essentially bottom line is like, why are you stuck in these body image issues? Like believing that you must transform the way you look. And as we dig through, I mean, you know, most women recognize that culturally there's pressure, right? Like we hear and see messages all the time of how we're supposed to look and what gives us value, that kind of thing. But what's fascinating is the di- the d- deeper, excuse me, the deeper we dig, the more we come down to an answer that is unexpected for most of my clients and was really unexpected for me. And the answer is that my opinion of me is what drives me. Let me try to say that again in a slightly different way, just in case you didn't grasp it. Like I care more about what I look like than you care about what I look like, right? Like we all know that's true. Like no one thinks about me as much as me, right? But where we get stuck is in this elevation of our opinions of ourselves. And let me take this a little further. Maybe this might get controversial and edgy. So I'm going to try to try to not make it go all the way there. But the way I see myself becomes a sort of my truth, right? And we hear a lot about living your truth in this culture, and I don't recommend that. That's a little T truth. And so when I, in my head or out loud, assess the way I look and come up with my truth about me and how I look and how I should look like this because I'm this age, or I should look like this because I'm at this stage of life, or I should look like this because an Instagram influencer told me if I worked out like this, I would, right? We get really attached to our truth. And we believe that our truth about beauty and health and what I should look like, again, I'm using air quotes there, is more important than God's truth. Friend, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to God whether or not you think you are pretty enough or thin enough or beautiful enough. I feel like God is waiting for us to accept the truth, the capital T truth, his truth, that he made our bodies, that he called them good, and that that's not what he's looking at when he judges us. He's looking at our hearts and that he cares more about us having beautiful hearts than beautiful hair and beautiful thighs and tight buns and tight abs. And it's only because we get stuck in believing that my truth is what's most important. And we say things to ourselves like, well, I would just feel better. You know, it's not about anyone else and what they think is just what I think of me. And I just want to feel good about me. And it becomes this litmus test for, for me to feel good about me, I have to approve of me. Guess what, friend? That's not biblical. God's not waiting for you to approve of you. In fact, there's a big danger in you approving of you. I think they call it pride, (laughs) but at a minimum, there's a complacency there that is really unhealthy. 
the scripture uses this language of being a slave to Christ. Okay. Now, when you think about slavery, it's a disgusting, like the history of slavery, like all of that is gruesome. But what does it mean to be a slave? Slaves don't have a lot of rights, right? What matters in the life of a slave is what the master wants. And although God is such a gracious God, he's a good God, he's a good king, he's a good father, he wants us to be free, he has good things in store for us, so he's the best possible master. But when Paul talks about being a slave to Christ, I believe what he's saying is that his opinion of himself no longer matters, that his opinion of his life no longer matters, that his will can die to the will of his master. Friends, I lived so many years with my will being to have a better body, my will being to approve of my weight or my size or my shape or my level of tonedness. And I missed out on what the master wanted for me. Let me just take this one step further. If you're married... I've talked to a lot of women this year, and I mentioned this on a show a couple months ago, but so often we get in this place in our marriage where we feel insecure with the way our body looks, and we project that on to a husband who maybe doesn't feel that way, who maybe hasn't even noticed that you gained a couple pounds, or that your body looks different than it did 20 years ago. And in that is part of this whole, my opinion of me matters most problem, this whole dilemma of that. I use the illustration, and I mentioned this in a podcast earlier, but let me mention it again, because this was just one of the biggest revelations for me this year. If you were married to someone who preferred vanilla ice cream, and I am, <laughs> and I love, he likes strawberry, he all makes it up sometimes, but um, if you married someone who had a particular flavor of ice cream that they preferred that was not the same as yours. And every time you went to the Baskin Robbins or Cold Stone or wherever you go to get your ice cream, he always ordered the same ice cream. And let's say you've been together for a long time. So you always know, okay, my husband prefers this kind of ice cream. But maybe that's not the same preference that you have. So for me personally, like I I vary, but peanut butter cup ice cream, like ice cream with candy and cookies in it, (laughs) all kinds of good things in it, mint chip ice cream, love that. Like I like a lot to be going on in my ice cream. So like just a plain vanilla, Mm, I'm not really a plain vanilla girl. And it is difficult for me to believe that anyone could go into an ice cream store and order plain vanilla when there are all these other options out there. Why would you choose plain vanilla? But can I believe that my husband goes in and orders that? because it is his favorite. Can I believe truly that he prefers that over all the other flavors? And as I've worked through this illustration with a couple clients now, it's always funny because they, they recognize, they're like, yeah, of course, I believe that's his favorite. Like, oh yeah, I know. I like peanut butter cup, but he always goes for vanilla. That's just the way he is. I believe sincerely that that is his choice. Friend, just like you believe your husband's opinion of ice cream, your husband's choice, first choice in ice cream is true, valid, sincere. 
Friend, I think you have to apply that same knowledge to your husband's opinion of your body. So if you are in a relationship where your husband is saying like, oh, I love you. I think you're beautiful. I like you just the way you are. I love your body. You know, you're just fine to me just the way you are. You don't get the right to tell him that he doesn't like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> He's chosen vanilla ice cream. Can you believe it? And now I'm, I say that with a heaping dose of grace for women who aren't in that situation, because I do know, and I talk to women constantly that are in a situation where their husbands are expressing discontent with their body. And, and that's a hard, hard subject. I did a great show with Dr. Julie Slattery on that topic this year. It's called Help, What Do I Do When My Husband Hates My Body? So go check that out if you haven't listened to that one yet. That's another episode you might want to listen to in the month of December. So lots of grace there if that's not your situation. But friend, our opinions of our bodies do not trump the opinions of God or the opinions of our husband. I hope that encouraged you. Okay, the second thing I've learned is about fasting. So Amy Carlson, who is a non-diet dietitian, eating disorder specialist. She's absolutely amazing. She was on the show a number of times this year, but we did a two-part series last January on fasting. We talked about whether or not you can slash should fast if you've had an eating disorder or your eating disorder recovered or recovering. But we also dug into the book of Daniel and looked at the Daniel fast. And this was the first time I had ever really done that, really studied fasting. In fact, um, I had Erin Davis on the show just a couple weeks ago, and we talked about feasting and fasting. She has a new resource out on that, and she talked about how just a lot of Christians don't fast like we're called to. Um, and again, I'm putting lots of disclaimers around that. If you had an eating disorder or, or eating disorder recovered, recovering, fasting might not be the right thing for you. At least fasting with food might not be the right thing for you right now. So hear me when I say that. But as Amy and I looked at the Daniel fast, you guys, I was fascinated to find out that Daniel and his friends were fatter in appearance at the end of that fast. Friends, the fast, the miracle of the fast was not that they lost weight and looked great. It was that they gained weight. And I thought, what a challenging concept. And Erin Davis kind of backed this up because she talked about going on a long fast and not losing any weight after even days and days and days, weeks and weeks, really, of not eating. Friends, fasting isn't about getting skinny. And intermittent fasting, that's something different. But fasting from a biblical perspective is not about weight loss or trying to look better. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, go listen to them. They were so good. And maybe your mind will be blown like mine was when you look at the scripture in the book of Daniel and realize, oh my goodness, the Daniel fast was never meant to be a weight loss plan. I'm so sorry, Rick Warren. I'm not trying to offend anyone. But it is fascinating to see how, eh, stepping on toes here maybe, but how we as Christians have taken scripture and distorted it for weight loss goals, for beauty or vanity goals. And that's never what it was supposed to be about. Fasting is a miraculous opportunity to connect with God. It's not supposed to be about getting skinny and hot. So go listen to those shows. Okay, the third thing I've learned this year, <laughs> aging 
is real. I was joking with a friend yesterday. She's 45. I'm 48. And I, I told her, I, I probably shouldn't have said this. I'm like, oh, everything was good for me until 45. And then it all started to fall apart. Oh, aging is real. And what I've learned about aging this year, I wrote a book, a devotional on aging that was supposed to come out next April, and it's been pushed back a full year now. Uh, but it's going to be a great devotional <laughs> when it comes out. So just stay tuned. I'm going to try to actually write a version Bible plan on aging. So um, some of that content can get out into the world a little bit earlier. But the struggle with aging is partially cultural, right? Partially all these messages we're getting about how we should look, how we should age. You know, you should have a flat stomach through menopause, which is not the way God made our bodies. Like different things like that are everywhere. But again, what I found is aging is similar to the first thing I mentioned, right? Where we have this opinion of what we should look like as we age that may not be grounded in any sort of reality. And even deeper than that, we have to ask ourselves, who said that that's what we should look like when we're this age? Who said that's what appropriate aging looks like? And what is their motivation? <laughs> right? All those Instagram, Facebook ads you get on like, you know, you don't have to have a menopause belly or who says you have to gain weight as you get older? Like, all of those advertisements are coming from businesses with a interest in your money. <laughs> they want your cash. Their motivation is to make you feel bad that your body is doing the natural things it does as it ages and to make you believe that you can change all that or ignore all that or avoid all that. Now, I'm not saying that we just let our selves, I don't, I hate the term let ourselves go because I don't think that's actually what's happening when we're trusting God with our health. That's a different thing than letting yourself go, right? But we don't have to fight aging. We can work with our bodies. We can befriend our bodies. We can respect our bodies for the amount of time and years they've given us and how they've served us well. We can treat our bodies with dignity and say with confidence, okay, I am not going to look at 50 like I did at 30, and that's okay. And let me, the other big revelation for me, you guys, this year was thinking about the truth that teen girls undergo this huge body change, right? When they get all their hormones and, and start their period and, you know, go through um, puberty, right? You would never tell a 13-year-old girl, oh, honey, I think it's time to hit the gym. Your hips are getting wider. Oh, honey, you know, you, your shape is changing. That's weird. You better do something about that. You better, you better make sure you work hard to change that shape. No, instead, like we would have great compassion and be like, oh, no, honey, the... That's just what happens when the hormones come, things change, you're becoming a woman now. This is how women are shaped. Well, friend, guess what? When the hormones change on the other end, your shape changes too. 
And that's okay. That's nothing to be ashamed of, right? It's only the marketers that have told us we should be ashamed of that. So I hope that's encouraging to you. And I really am planning on talking more about aging on the show next year. I'd love to hear your aging questions. If you have questions in this realm of aging, you know, wrinkles, weight gain, all the things, shoot them to me, Heather at compared.me. I'd love to hear your questions so I can tackle them on the show next year. Okay. The fourth one is I did a series this year with a number of different models. So these were professional models. One was like a showroom model, you know, the woman in the fancy dress that points the cars. Um, The other was Jennifer Strickland, who was a cover model uh, on Seventeen Magazine. I mean, she had a a big time magazine print modeling career. And then the other was my friend Amanda, who was a model. Um, she did a lot of runway work. Woo-hoo-hoo. If you've ever wondered about the real world of modeling, and Amanda's episode especially, whew, she tells it all. There's some fascinating things in there. But in my interview with Jennifer Strickland, she talks about having a skin condition, right? And how that was, she never really had a weight struggle, but how her skin condition is what God really kind of used to help her draw closer to him. And in some ways, he kind of stole her beauty, if if that is, is not too yucky of a way to say it, um, stole that physical beauty from her so that she could uh, focus solely on him. And she shares a story in the episode I did called The Model and the Mirror Fast. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. But she shares the story of just having the worst breakout ever, where she went to one of the top doctors. It was actually Periconi. You've probably bought his products, the Periconi Promise. I remember buying it when I was like 20. Um, But she actually went to Dr. Periconi and he said, your skin problem is not a physical problem. Like this is related to stress and health issues and all the trauma you've been through. And so she felt like God was calling her to do a mirror fast. And she did a mirror fast. I think it was for 40 days. She did a 40-day mirror fast where she barely looked in the mirror. But remember, she has like huge skin issues going on. She's just broken out all over her face. She said just really bad, like the worst breakout you could imagine. Um, And she talks about how at the end of those 40 days, she ran into a woman at the school pickup line. She didn't wear any makeup during this time because she was taking a mirror fast and not putting putting effort into that kind of thing. And this woman came up to her and said, you just look so radiant. What are you doing? Now, remember, she has a skin condition, okay? Her face is not all cleared up. Her face is not um, what a magazine would consider beautiful, picture perfect, that kind of thing. But this woman saw a radiance in her even through her skin condition. And it, she she references the verse Psalm 34, 5, those who look to him will be radiant with joy. And she talks about how just keeping her heart focused on Jesus for those 40 days gave her a radiance, gave her a beauty that no clear skin, no product, no magazine cover could have given her. And I think it's just a beautiful testimony to where our beauty actually comes from. Friends, we toil and suffer, right? I don't think those are exaggerating words. We toil and suffer over pounds and skin and hair and shape and muscle tone because we want to be radiant. We want to be beautiful. We want someone to say, wow, there's a beautiful woman. We want to feel like we are beautiful and loved and valued, 
But friends, where that comes from is not the place that the advertisements say it comes from. Where that radiant beauty comes from is from Jesus. Looking to him is what makes us radiant. And the good news is you can be radiant without losing a pound, without clearing your skin, without toning your abs or your butt or thinning your thighs. You can be radiant by spending more time with him. If there's one message I have for you as we come to the end of this year is prioritize that. Make that your New Year's resolution. I want to be radiant because I'm spending so much time with God. I'm seeing things the way he sees them. I am to some extent, right? We'll never fully be able to do that, but I'm, I am defining beauty the way he defines it. Ah, and he is making me radiant. What? A success story that would be better than any weight loss story would be to find that kind of radiant beauty. I hope that's encouraged you. Okay, the final one's a little edgier. Oh, and I'm not going to go too much into it because we're almost out of time for today. But friend, we've gotten it all wrong on gluttony. Okay, and and I feel like as I have really journeyed through body image and food issues. And as I've talked to other women, like that fear, that voice is always like, but what about gluttony? But what about gluttony? Well, there's gluttony, you know, oh, is intuitive eating turning you into glutton? I mean, if you just keep eating and eating while you want to eat and your body didn't actually need that, then aren't you gluttonous? And I have done some intensive study on this topic of gluttony that's going to be in my book that comes out next November, the body image workbook I'm working on. Friends, you would be amazed what I am finding out about gluttony. Do you know that the concept of gluttony came from this acidic monk? Uh, He was later like ruled a heretic and a mystic. Okay. And he's the first person, well, actually, I think I said that wrong. He didn't originate the concept. The concept is biblical, but he's the first person that made gluttony about food. Gluttony biblically is not about food. Now, yes, we can be gluttons with food. Okay. But that is not the basic definition of gluttony. Gluttony is really about carousing, being careless with your time, with your money, being a reveler, a partier. And gluttony isn't actually even included on the list of sins in the New Testament, right? Whereas idolatry, sorcery, you know, drunkenness is on there. But gluttony didn't even make that list. And gluttony is often attached to drunkenness. And in the New Testament, it's gluttony and drunkenness go together. And so the the biblical portrait of the glutton is not someone who eats a couple extra cookies or eats beyond fullness. Friend, we don't always know when we're full. I don't know about you, but sometimes I eat when I'm rushed and stressed. And I, it's really hard for me to hear that fullness signal. That's not gluttony. That's not sin. That's just being a human. You're not going to be a perfect steward of your time, are you? You're probably not going to be a perfect steward of your money, are you? But we have this belief that we can be perfect stewards of our body and that going just a little past full makes us a glutton and it's a sin and, oh, we should feel so much shame around that. No, no, no. That misses the definition of gluttony. Gluttony is, is about this desire to worship hedonism, to be self-focused, self-pleasuring, 
to care most about what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. And some people can do that with food. I'm not saying gluttony is never related to food. I mean, you can be so consumed with food and what makes you feel good and the pleasure you get from food that that becomes your God. And that, that's a problem. But most of the women I talk to are women that are coming out of eating disorders and they're worried that gluttony means gaining a couple of pounds, that that constitutes them being a glutton or they're sizing people's bodies and deciding that someone's gluttonous because they don't weigh what, you know, what the BMI chart says they should weigh. Friends, that's not fair and that's not accurate and it's not true. You can't tell what anyone eats in a day or how anyone relates to food by the size of their body necessarily, right? We all have different conditions that we're facing. We all have different histories, traumas, backgrounds. I I think most of the time when you see someone who's carrying a lot of extra weight, it's not about the food they've eaten. It's about the trauma they carry. So we need to give grace around this issue. Stop pointing fingers and calling people gluttons or calling ourselves gluttons, right? Unless you are meeting that category of being a party or lives to party. Okay, then then maybe you got some work to do, hard work to do on the topic of gluttony. But for most of us, friends, Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, the Christmas season is not a time when you have to worry about being gluttonous. You know, that series I did with, um, the two episodes I did with Erin Davis, she has a series on feasting and fasting. We have a hard time feasting. She makes the point. We're not comfortable feasting. But in Jesus's day, they were. Their weddings lasted for days and they ate and had a great time for days. And we get worried about eating too much at Thanksgiving and, you know, read things like how to not gain weight at your Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, friends. No, it's it's okay to feast. That's not gluttony. So I hope some of that has encouraged you. And I can't wait to flesh that out for you even more in the new book that's coming out next year and maybe on the show too next year. Um, So I said I would leave you with a couple episodes to listen to while the show is on break until the next season starts in January. And I want to do that. But first, I just want to mention today is Giving Tuesday. If you're listening to the show, the day it's released. It's Giving Tuesday. I so appreciate your support of the show. I have been so blessed by those of you who have given um, any amount to support the show. It's not free to do a podcast. Um, it's <laughs> It costs me time, of course, but there's a lot of many involved with, uh, you have to find a place to host the podcast, and then you have to pay money to have your website, and you I pay hosting bills every month and website bills every month. Um, I have to pay for Zoom. Zoom subscription to have guests on. I have to pay for equipment. I have to pay for software programs. I have to pay for tech people to help me. Um, I produce the show myself, so I I go about as low cost as I can. But every once in a while, I have web problems, and I've been having a lot of them over the last month. So if your shows are out of order or you missed an episode, it's because of these tech problems that I have to pay someone to fix. So there are costs associated with the show. It's Giving Tuesday. If you feel led to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. Uh, the link to that is in the show notes, buymeacoffee.com. 
and just go backslash compared to who and you can you know that's five dollars as a coffee so you can give five bucks or ten bucks whatever you want to give or if you want to make a monthly contribution you can go to patreon.com slash compared to who and you can support the show month to month i have a monthly meeting for my patreon supporters i also put some bonus content there for patreon supporters too so if you feel led to support the show in a bigger way go to patreon.com and i would be extremely blessed by really any amount that you would choose to give to the show. If it's blessed you, that's just a way you can bless me in return. In addition to leaving a review, that's always a blessing for me too. Okay, so the shows that I want you to listen to this month, in addition to the ones that I I listed as I went through my five things I've learned, you might want to go back and listen to Hot or Holy. Um, I did this show this summer. I got a lot of great feedback on it. But I think as we go into the new year, coming to that crossroads of what is my goal for 2023? Is my goal to be hot next year or is my goal to be holy? Right? And, and I know most of this, they're not opposite terms. I understand that, right? Um, and, and I know the word hot can be triggering for some, so I apologize. I'm not trying to be triggering in that. And it's just they both started with H. Um, but but really, what what do I want next year? Do I want to be praised for my body? Or do I want to be praised as a woman who loves God and that radiance, like we talked about, shines from me? So go back and listen to that episode. I also think listening to the um, episodes I did with Amy Carlson on self-control would be really helpful if you missed those. Oh, friend, you, you must listen to those, as well as the episodes Amy and I did on fasting. Finally, I did a body image assessment this summer. And if you're new to the show or newer to the show, uh, go listen to that body image assessment because it'll kind of help you understand. I don't want to say the stages because it's not linear, but it'll help you understand kind of the way this journey plays out for some people. I'm not going to say my way is normative that everyone's journey is the exact same as mine. That's absolutely not true. But it will give you some context around kind of the path that you could be on if you're ready to find freedom from your body image issues this year. Uh, And then I want you to go back. So last year, I did a couple shows, um, the beginning of January, one show was called What Journey Are You On?, which talks about what do you really want from your new year? What is your mission in life? Is your mission to change your body? Have you missed God's greater mission for you in that? So I asked some tough questions, but it'd be a great show to challenge you before the new year. Also, I've done a couple shows on kind of like the new year, new you concept. Um, I did one last year. That was three tips to meeting your goals in the new year. Um, And then I've done a podcast called New Year Renewed You. And then another one was called Do You Need a New Year, New You? So I will put links to all of those in the show notes. Friends, that December's a busy month, so that should give you plenty of content to listen to until I'm back with you in January when we're going to start our new series. We're going to pray for our body image issues and our health as well through the month of January. I think you're going to really get a lot out of that. Okay, friend, I thank you so much for your support this year, for your encouragement this year. You guys, your notes of encouragement, they keep me going. This is sometimes a thankless job, <laughs> I have to say. Um, sometimes I'm just, it's just me talking into my computer and I don't know if you hear it or not or if it touches you or not. So your notes, uh, they mean so much to me. So thank you for that along with your reviews. I read those too. So thank you. Those are encouraging as well. But my prayer 
is I want you to be free. I don't want you to be stuck. I don't want you to be over obsessing about every morsel of food that goes into your mouth. I don't want you to be over obsessing about what you're going to wear. I don't want you to feel anxious and stressed about what your body looks like. And I think that's biblical, right? And Jesus tells us in Matthew, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or your body. Is life not more than food in the body? And it is. And that's my goal for you, friend, to see that life beyond food and the body. And that's what I've hoped to do for you all this year. And that's what I commit to doing for you next year as well. I pray that you have a wonderful Christmas holiday season, that God will show you that your true worth is found in his birth and that he will renew your mind as you face these issues in this month and the months to come. I can't wait to be back with you in January. Thanks again for your support this year. Bye-bye. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. 
I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.